to turn to, and we're only going to read one verse to start off because we're going to go through um, the scripture here, and I'm going to be reading from King James, and I'm going to be going back and forth uh, to the NLT some as well. And we're going to uh, start with 2 Kings, the fifth chapter in verse 1. And for those of you that's been in church for any prolonged period of time, this passage of scripture may be familiar with you. Um, familiar to you, and for those who haven't, it may not be, and, and that's fine. And we're just going to see what, what God has to say. I, I believe that every time that we read his word, God, I mean, it's amazing how he just keeps pulling knowledge and knowledge and wisdom and wisdom and uh, direction and instruction out of, and correction out of his word. So we're just going to see what, what he has to say to us tonight. First Kings, um, I mean, Second Kings, I'm sorry, the fifth chapter, verse 1, it reads like this. Now, Naaman captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria. He was also a mighty man and valid, but he was also a leopard. Everybody say leopard. Okay, we're just going to talk about something. It's, gonna, it's a word that most of us have used at some particular time. It's not a curse word. I'm not, I'm not cursing tonight. I don't curse on Wednesdays and Sundays. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now Monday, Tuesday, now I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Um, but it's, it's a word that I, I, I thought about and I think is fitting, befitting with this passage of scripture as we go down through it and you'll see why in just a, why in just a second. But we're just going to, if we have to give it a, a subject or topic, we're just going to talk, I mean, it's going to be a question and, and I have several questions as we go through this and it's just, uh, are you dirty? Are you dirty? Now, I know you can take that several different ways, and, and hopefully as we go through this, it will be um, a particular way that God will show you, but we'll just see in just a second. Um, are you dirty? Um, dirty is a word that most of us have used at some point in our life, and, you know, when we, were, when we had kids, we sometimes um, told our kids to wash your dirty what? Hands, right? Oh, it could be dirty mouth. It could be, but in this case, I, I wanted hands. Wash your dirty hands. If we go uh, to a restaurant, we've went somewhere, and they brought out a fork or a knife, sometimes it has been dirty, and we turn around and ask for something clean. Um, there have been times that we may have stepped in mud or went outside, and we had dirt on our shoes, and we looked at them, and we said, ooh, our, our shoes are dirty. Or it could be that we've gone to a city. I remember the first time I went to New Orleans, I thought, excuse me, Miss Bunny, but I thought downtown New Orleans was one of the dirtiest cities between New Orleans and Chicago, this downtown, I thought was just one of the dirtiest cities that I had been to. So we may use it to describe a city, but the food was good. Um, and, and we also have, may have used this word dirty to describe a person. If you had a fresh old man or a fresh old woman, we sometimes say, ooh, that's a dirty old man or a dirty old woman. We've used that word to describe person, place, and things throughout our entire life. But I took the liberty of looking up the meaning, and I want you to write this down. It's, it's not something you probably don't already know, but dirty means to cover a mark with an unclean substance. substance. To, um, to cover a mark with an unclean substance. And how do we get here? How do, and the question is, are you dirty? We look in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, and it's starting at verse 1, and we see someone by the name of Naaman coming on the scene. And if you know anything about Naaman, he had a lot of things going on for him. He was a great leader. He was a commander of the army at, of Syria. He was honorable. He was a valid, I mean, he a uh, mighty man, a valid. He actually fought. He brought victory to Syrian when they were fighting against other uh, nations. And if you look at him, he had everything going on. He had a resume that literally anybody would probably want a pattern after. He was, a, um, he was great, and, and he was loved by a lot of people. But the scripture is very clear about one thing in that verse um, 1 there. It, it lists all the things. It kind of lists his resume here, and he was how successful he was. But then at the end, it says something about a butt. And everybody almost have a butt, but we're going to see what this butt is talking about. He said, but... He was a leopard. 
Now, why is that important? Because we're talking about, are you dirty? And why is, is leprosy here important? And why in the world would, with the writer here of Kings, and we don't know who the writer is, it's unknown. And some say it may be Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah and possibly in some other prophets, but we don't know who the writer is. And we know that the writer also writes in the book of uh, Second Kings to demonstrate the faith of those who refuse to follow God as a leader. So there's a purpose here, but when I read this, I couldn't figure out why did they put this here about Naaman. And it talked about, it talked about all the things that he was great at, but then it showed us that he had a problem. And that problem was he was a leper, a leper, a leper. So why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Old Testament days, leprosy was a disease that most people feared. It's one of those diseases that was incurable. It was nothing they could do to help you if you had leprosy. It was different stages, but normally it led to death. And leprosy was known by, it was a skin disease. So it wasn't something you were going to be able to hide. It, it showed off, and it, 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 it actually had you bound whether you knew it or not. It showed on your skin, so it could have been sores or lesions, and it also defigured uh, your, your body. And leprosy was something that nobody wanted, but some got. And when they got it, they were known as being unclean. To have leprosy meant that you were unclean. So in the Mosaic law in Old Testament, if you had leprosy, they quarantined you. They put you away in different stages because it was very contagious. So if I had it and at certain stages, I could, they had to actually ship me off to a community that was known for lepers or for leprosy. Everybody there had it so nobody could get it. But when you were going through it and you just may have been in the first stage or the middle stage, if you went into a, a public setting, you had to holler the words, unclean, unclean. And when you hollered that, according to the Mosaic law and covenant, people would know that you had leprosy. So I, I want to pin stop. I want to stop right there just for a second. I have another question for you, and I want you to write these questions down because by the time we get finished, you're gonna finish. You're gonna have a list of questions that I want you to consider while going through it, or maybe when you leave. This question is: What is your leprosy? I just told you leprosy is that thing that's unclean. It keeps you bound. It makes you ashamed. It's that thing that if you did your resume, you would list everything great on it, but this would be one thing you would leave off. Everything will be displayed on the screen showing how good I am in this and that and this, but this one thing I would tell Jason not to put on the screen because I don't want anybody to know. What is your leprosy? Now, again, I started off by saying leprosy is something that's incurable. It, it was no cure for it. So once you got it, there was no turnaround. There was nothing else but death for you. So we're talking about are you dirty? Let's go on to verse 2 here because we're running through this and I asked the question, you know, or what's your leprosy? Is it something mental? Is it spiritual? Is it physical? What is your leprosy right now? Think about what is that thing that have really grasped you? That you thinking about right now is like, oh, Lord, if, if God doesn't step in, and I, I started this off by saying what the song, it was talking about an awesome God. If God doesn't deliver, if God doesn't protect, if God doesn't come in, I don't know where I'm going to be. What's your leprosy? Look at verse 2, and, then the, and it says, and the Syrians had gone out by company and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Verse 3, and she said unto her mistress, With God, my Lord, where will with the prophet that is in Samaria? 
for he will recover him of his leprosy. And verse 4, and, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. Now, I want to go back to verse 2 just for a second because there are a couple of things I want to point out. Again, we're talking about Naaman. We're talking about how great he is, but he got a problem. He has a problem. Verse 2, it talks about, and the Syrians, remember I told you, Naaman was actually the commander of the army of Syria. He was liked by his, the king of Syria, and, and, and he really valued their relationship. And there were times that Syrian and Israelites, the, Israel, the Israelites, would actually go and they would, they would have little, little um, bouts and battles. And what the Syrians would do, and sometimes the Israelites would as well, but in this particular case, the Syria had gone over to Israel and they had kidnapped a young girl. And that's what it talks about. It brought, uh, she, it brought away a bat, a little young lady, a little maid. She was a child. They actually kidnapped her from her home. And they brought her back to Syria. And now when they brought her back, she now worked for Naaman's wife. Now, I, I want to stop here just for a second because this little girl, it doesn't even say her name. It doesn't say anything about her other than she was a little maid that was taken captive or even kidnapped or taken out of her home against her will. Now, this is something that I want you to think about as we go through. This little girl seemed to be insignificant, but we're going to see how God uses someone that's insignificant to do a great, great uh, mission and a great task for God that changed somebody's life, and it's going to be Naaman's, and we're going to see that. But this little girl held captive, but then her, it showed that she was unselfish. Now, why do I say that? Go to verse 3. Because this little girl was not just concerned about herself, but she was concerned about the condition of Naaman who had kidnapped her. Now, I can hear some of you guys now, and I know I'll probably be one of them. I'll be doggone, I'm going to be worrying about somebody who untook me from my house, and I'm going to be worrying about them getting healed. No, uh-uh. How many of you have been talking about, Lord, just take him, let him die so I, so I can run away? All I need is some strawberries, some grapes, and I'm going to run back to Israel. <laughs> but no, this little girl, she actually was concerned about the welfare of Naaman's condition. And she makes a statement, just, it, it's just a brief, she didn't give a long dissertation. She didn't say a whole lot of words. The only thing she said, if, if my master was in Samaria or Israel, there is a prophet who can heal him or recover him, help him to recover from his leprosy. That's all she said. We don't hear anything else about this little girl, but that was it. And guys, I, I stopped there just for a second because some of you may be sitting here and you may think that you're insignificant to God, that where you are in life and what you're doing, that it, it does not matter. But everything about you matter to, matters to God. God, when he made you, literally, think about this, he literally threw away the key and didn't make anybody else like you because you were so special. He didn't make a mistake. This little girl, because in a, in, a, in a land, not her own, but she actually is concerned and spoke just a brief word. It was enough. Go to the next verse for me. It was enough for, her, her, for Naaman's wife to hear what she said and then tell Naaman, hey, Naaman, listen, the little uh, slave girl that you brought uh, from Israel said that there's a man, a prophet, that's over in Israel that can cure you of your leprosy. Now, let me ask you a question because I, I, I gave some details about leprosy early, earlier and because I did that for a purpose, and you're going to see why here near the end. But how many of you, if you had a condition and nobody else and nothing else can cure it, and somebody told you that there was help somewhere else, how many of you would take them up on that? And, and actually go and say, okay, I, you know, I don't know who this is, but I, I, I want to go and see if this, what this little girl really says. Now think about that. That is almost like you, she could have been setting him up. 
because she could have had him go back to Israel because remember, he had kidnapped her. He didn't know. But he takes her at his word. So the next verse, it tells, it talks about, go ahead and um, go to verse 5 for me. And now we see, and the king of Syria uh, said, go to, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is coming to, unto thee, behold, I, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Go one more verse and then we're going to stop. And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter, then he rent his clothes and said, I am God. Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man do a sin unto me to recover a man of, of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Now, what, is, what in the world is going on? Well, I'm glad you asked. In verse 4, it talks about and um, the king of Syria is getting ready, and it talks really in verse 5, the king of Syria is getting ready to send a letter um, with Naaman to go to Israel. Now, let's back up. Naaman has what? He has what? He has leprosy. A young girl who he actually kidnapped or held captive in his home have told him about a prophet in Israel. So he's he's going to tell the king because he serves the king and he's so excited about what the girl has said, and the king loves him so. He said, now listen, Nathan, I want you to do something. I want you, I'm going to write a letter to the king of Israel, and I'm going to tell them that I'm sending you, and I'm going to uh, send with you, go, uh, let's see, I'm going to send with you 10 talents of silver, 6,000 um, pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. Now, I actually looked all that up. That was over, in our day, over a million dollars that Naaman was carrying. Now, a couple things going on here. First thing I want you to notice, in verse two, when I think it was verse two, either verse three, when the little, little girl told the mistress or Naaman's wife, she actually said there's a prophet in Israel. Now, when, when it get to the king, the king said, well, I'm writing a letter to the king of Israel. Now, why is that significant and is that the same thing? It's significant in because it's different. The prophet is totally different than the, the, the king of Israel. Why is that important? Because now what the king of Syria is doing, he knows that the problem that Nathan has, but what he's trying to do, he's trying to buy his healing. He's trying to pay for it. He's trying to use his power He's trying to use his position to do something that only God can do. And he hadn't figured this out yet. So what the king thinks is, if I send all this money, now I don't know about you, I thought about this when I was studying. I say, even if I was the king over in Israel, and we're going to see what he did in a minute, I don't know, I may would have tried to heal him and just do some voodoo or something on him to get the money. I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't judge me because I think some of you all might be in there with me too, casting spells. But, but, but here, a couple things are, are, are missing. The little girl specifically said, a prophet. The king is saying, I'm going, I'm going to send this letter to the king of Israel. And he's doing it because he's going to try to get the king of Israel to influence uh, Elisha to actually heal Naaman. But there's something here that we, we're going to see as we go through this. The king, of, the king of Syria is actually saying, okay, you go, and I'm going to send this letter. Go ahead and go to verse 6 for him. I'm going to send this letter, and I'm going to send all this to you and be with you. And when you come to the king of Israel, you tell them that I'm sending this, and I want the king of Israel to heal you or your leprosy. Now, there's a couple things we're going to see. Go ahead and uh, go to the uh, seventh verse. We're going to see as we're going through this. He came to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel got so upset and mad when he read the letter. First of all, he got mad because he thought he was trying to pick a fight with him. He's like, why in the world would this king tell me to heal uh, neighbor or leprosy? I don't have the power. power. Am I God? 
He, now, he had enough sense, the king of Israel had enough sense to know that he didn't have the power, but he still didn't have enough sense to realize that he had a prophet in his own country who was sent by God who had the power not only to heal Naaman, but to heal other people who had sickness and diseases as well. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about near the end of this. But now the king of Israel is mad. So he rents or he tears off his clothes because he's like, why in the world would you, with this king of Syria, send this to me? Because remember I told you, it was nothing for the king of Israel and Syria to be in battle, for them to sneak over and do something and kidnap their wives or kids and take somebody hostage or, or captive. That, that was just the, that was the way things were done. So that was not unusual. So the king here of Israel actually thought that he was trying to pick a fight with him. But that wasn't what he was doing at all. Naaman really just wanted to get healed. He didn't put so much thought into whether it was the king or the prophet. He's just saying, if I can buy it, I have positions. I mean, I have money, so if I can buy it, I'll buy my health. If, if, I can, if I can lie my way into it, I'll do that. My next question is this, question three is, what are you willing to do to cure your leprosy? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to cure your leprosy? What are you willing to do? Now, the king here knew he couldn't heal him, so he tore, he uh, took off his clothes, just got mad and angry. But there was somebody who heard about what was going on, and his name is Elisha. Go to verse 8 with me. Verse 8 says this, and it was so, and it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, now notice this because that's going to be key, the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes or tore them off, that he sent to the king, saying, wherefore has thou rent thy clothes? Why have you done this? Don't, basically saying, have you forgotten that I exist? But he says, let him come now to me. And he shall know, or either he's going to learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, I, guys, I found this interesting because Elijah here is talking bold. We know that Elisha is actually the follower of Elijah. But they, they both, God used him. It, it was interesting because Elisha, when, when he asked um, Elijah, you know, what, what, I mean, Elijah asked Elisha, what do you want? And he said, just give me a double portion of your anointing. And we see that he is anointed. And, but it's not him, but it's the Lord that's working through him. Read, go ahead and go to verse 9 for me. So now he says, where, um, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door uh, of the house of Elisha. I want to stop there just for a second. Now, verse 8 and 9, because I want to move you up because we're getting ready. This is almost like a soap opera. I don't know about you, but if you really want some scandalous things, just read the Bible. I know scandal is going off, so now you can go back to the book and you can read some scandalous things. I mean, they, guys, these guys, I mean, ooh, it was some stuff going on in there. I think if we just start reading about it, we'll start thinking, oh, my goodness. Nah. And we'll never put it down. You won't have to uh, worry about, uh, what was the one that I love? Um, not scandal, but the murder one. How to get away with murder. Okay, yeah, that was the one. Um, but anyway, so Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. So now we're getting ready to get into some things. Naaman went to the king. The king couldn't help him. And guys, I want to tell you this, and I want to stop here before we get uh, to verse 9. There are some things right now, I, you know, we start off by saying, what is your leprosy? We all have them. Whether we realize or not, we do. We have areas in our lives that sometimes seem to be incurable. Sometimes they seem to be getting the best of us. And it may be physical. It may be spiritually. It may be mentally. It may be emotional. But we have them. And the best thing that we can do is actually evaluate where we are in our spiritual walk and in our everyday life. But Naaman realized he needed some help. So I, I got to give that to him. 
But he also realized, he also had some other issues, and we're going to see that here in a second. The king couldn't help him, so now Elisha calls for him. So it says that Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door uh, um, of the house of Elijah. He goes to knock. He knocks again. He knocks again. Have you ever went to somebody's door and you knock? Well, now we have doorbells. But when Nell and Bill used to stay beside us, Nate would come over. And he would use our doorbell as just a little toy, ding, ding, ding. And we, we got, at first, you know, we used to get up and run. And then we got used to, oh, that's Nate, let him play. <laughs> we didn't even think anything else about it. And he would come over, and then he would just run back. And by the time we get to the door, he's gone. But now, but back in the day when we didn't have doorbells, we went to people's house and we knocked. And if you knew that they were in, that first knock was like this. That second knock, and then you start getting an attitude. Especially if they made you wait, and you knew that they were in there. So now Naaman is at Elijah's house knocking. And guys, I want you to see something. Go to verse 10 with me. It said, Elijah sent a messenger unto him. In other words, Elijah didn't come to the door. Now, I want you to get this saying, go and wash, and he told him, he sent a messenger, he says, tell him, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shall be clean. Now, why is that significant? Remember, I started off telling you about Naaman, his power, his authority. It would be like somebody, well, the president, well, you may let our president down, just knock, I don't know. <laughs> you may look, at, look out the door like, uh-uh, I'm not answering that. But let's just pretend like it was President uh, Obama. Let's pretend like it was him, okay? Let's skip this one right now, and we'll come back. But he came to your house and knocked. It serviced uh, the, the, the men, all of his men with him. And you don't go to the door. You send someone, or either I have Ethan over, and I send Ethan go to the door and tell President Obama, I want you to go, you dip in the uh, joint seven times, and then you're going to be healed. How in the world do you think it would make them feel? You don't do somebody of a power, authority, somebody who has that much clout. You don't just send somebody out. You go yourself. But that's what Elijah did. Elijah didn't go himself. He sent a messenger, and the messenger told him what to do. Now, we're going to, uh, let's, let's go, because now you're going to see Naaman's real, his true colors. Because remember I told you, I said he had, you know, one thing, but we're going to notice that he had more than one, and most of us do too. But Naaman was walked or either angry and went away. Now, think about this. You're the one that needs to be healed. You're the one that's dirty. But then he got mad because the answer didn't come the way he wanted Hold on, we're going somewhere with this. But Naaman was washed and went away and said, Behold, I thought. Everybody say, I thought. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But he said he thought he would surely come out to me. Talking about uh, Elisha. I thought, listen, if I go to his house and bring in all this money, all this stuff that I'm carrying, I thought surely he'll come out to me. And he'll stand and he'll call out the name of Jesus and, and strike his hand over the place and, and say, Abacadabaca, and now I'll be healed. He thought, lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he, talking about our God, will direct our path. He thought. And guys, that's where some of us are right now. We have leprosy. We have these issues that we're facing, but we're thinking that we know what's best. We think that God says, he will say one thing, but we in our own little righteous mind, prideful mind, because that's what we're going to see about Naaman, he was prideful. He was like, wait a minute, do, does he really know who I am? You know, I'm educated, I got all this power, I got thought, I got men who work for me. And I know good darn well he ought to come out and speak to me, at least tell me with his own mouth. 
but he didn't. So now he actually leaves. Now he heard it, but he left and he was mad. Look at the next verse because now we get into, he says, now, now aren't not Abba and Fornar uh, rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? He said, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage or angry. In other words, there are rivers in Damascus that's clean. I've been doggone, I'm going to get in this dirty Jordan. See, he didn't understand the, the power of Jordan, the Jordan River. The Jordan River is actually mentioned more than any other river in the, in the Bible. And, and he didn't understand that Elisha had a, a tie with the Jordan River. He understood the children. Elisha understood that God showed up at Jordan. But Naaman didn't get this. He thought it was just a nasty old place. And I am not dipping in something that's nasty. Now, what he forgot was his tail was nasty. He forgot it. And that's how we are sometimes. We come in and we can see everybody else's fault. What they're going through, what they've done, what they said. And then there are times that when they do something, we nail them to the cross. I heard Eddie say this earlier about unforgiveness and being able to forgive. We want everybody to forgive us when we mess up. But let, us, let them mess up and we start saying, uh-uh, I just can't. I never. I, I may, I'm, what is it? I, I may forget it, but I'll never. What, what is it? Okay, there we go. I, I'm terrible with cliches. I, sh I could be hoppy on, on Fred Sanford. For those who knew anything about hoppy, he got everything upside down and turned around. Pastor and I were talking about that the other day. I'm terrible. That's not my gift. <laughs> I got a lot of them, but that one is not one, my cliches. But we, we nail people to the cross when it comes to other people, but we want people to have mercy on us. So now we see that here in this particular scripture here in verse 12, he's, Naaman is getting an attitude. He's prideful, guys. He said, uh-uh. Why, why do I have to go and, and dip? And not just seven times. I've been down one time. Doom, doom. That's a little old school for some. Okay. But why seven and we know seven is the, the number of completion in the Bible, but, but he says, why? He was so upset that he left. Look at verse 13, but something happened. He had some servants who came to him and spake. He said, listen, a father, a servant, a sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing or some hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? But how much rather would, would it be that he told you something simple and all you got to do is go and watch now, guys, I want to stop here just for a second because I, when I was studying this, I said to myself and the Lord said to me, I think that everybody in here needs somebody who can talk them down. When you all, when you all got up there and you up, you're upset, you're mad, and you're getting ready to say something or do something that you know you shouldn't do, you need somebody in your life that you can call 911 and say, hey, talk me down, talk me down. If, if not, it's, it's getting ready to be World War III. We, we, we all need somebody like that in our lives. And Naaman had somebody. He had his servants. And it didn't just say one. It was plural here. He had his servants who came and said, listen. And it kind of reminded him that, hey, you know what? You need to be healed. You came this far. You got the directions. You got the instructions. But now you're upset and you're mad. Guys, I thought about this. A lot of times God, he's telling us things. Each Wednesday, each Sunday, your Sunday school, in your personal study time, God is always directing us and telling us what we need to do. But some of us are walking away mad at God because he doesn't tell us what we want to hear. Or he tell us the way we want to hear. So we get upset and we get mad and, and we stay dirty. We stay dirty. Could be clean. But we dirty. But because he has somebody to talk him down, we're going to see something else. Let's go on to the next verse. And it says this, then he went down. So now they talk some sense into him. So now he's getting ready. He's, he's down at the Jordan. 
Then he went down, talking about to the Jordan, and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, I want to stop here just for a second because I want you to see something here. When he obeyed God, God delivered him. It wasn't before. Now, I thought about this. Could he have dipped one time, two, three, four, five, six, and stopped there and got healed? No. God is looking for us to be completely obedient to what he's instructed us to do. Now, think about this, and I want, I want you to get this. Because when you go down, when he went down to the Jordan, he wasn't going down dipping in his clothes. He had to get naked. He had to get naked. He dipped naked. And that's what God is saying to us. Not physically, don't get naked up in here because it's not that kind of church. <laughs> but he is saying that we need to get naked before him. And stop putting on the, the shades and the, 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 the images and, and all the camouflage and start getting naked with him. It was, and think about this, this the leader of all the people that he had with him, now he's down there dipping in a nasty river, but naked. All his sores and his lesions and, and everything that's on him, his skin, maybe even balls, was on him because we know that it started to show because that's why he wanted to get healed. So now he's out there dipping. And you think about it, he had to dip seven times and people around, his, uh, his soldiers or his men around him. But, see, but, but this was the thing. He knew that he had to be obedient to what the prophet had said. So he dipped, and the scripture is very clear. Not only did he get healed, but he got delivered as well. The Bible said he came forth clean, and then it also said that God did an awesome thing. He put his flesh back like that of a child. Now, I don't know whether you've ever seen a child. No, Nancy and Tyrone just had a baby and others, and um, it's Chad and uh, Charday in here. And for those who have small kids, baby skin is the smoothest skin. Man, when you start getting 50 and 53 and 70, and you, you start with, and then you start getting stuff that loose, you want baby skin. <laughs> we, buy, we spend all kinds of money trying to keep our skin tight. But think about this man dipped in something dirty, but he came back as new, clean, fresh skin, restored. Go to the next verse. Now, why did I say that he was actually delivered physically and spiritually because of the next couple of verses that we're going to read? Guys, this Naaman then realized that what he had, he no longer had it any longer. Remember, I start this off, and I, I, I spent the time on leprosy because of how we're going to end, and we're almost done here, how we're going to end this. Leprosy was something that was incurable, and I don't want you to miss this. That dip wasn't just a dip. That seven times just wasn't a number. But God did something miraculous here that nobody else could do. Money couldn't do it. Position couldn't do it. Power couldn't do it. Authority couldn't do it. Nobody can do it but the Lord. So your leprosy that I'm asking you about, and I say, what is your leprosy? I'm, I stop by to tell you tonight, whatever it is, God can heal it. It can be cured. But you have to be obedient. We have to be obedient to our God. Now, this is what happened because remember, Nathan was a heathen. Nathan was not a Jew. He was not an Israelite. He was a Sumerian, Syrian. That's what he was. I almost said Sumerian, but he wasn't. Uh, he was a Syrian. And, and, and so Nathan now has done something. And he said he returned to the man of God, meaning Nathan left Jordan and went back to Elisha. And he and his company, all the guys that were with him, they stood before Elisha and he said, Behold now, now I don't want you to miss this, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a, bless, take a blessing of thy servant. Now I want to go back just to the, the, the first couple of lines there in, in verse 15. What Nathan is saying here, 
Before he came, he was saying, I pray that the prophet's God can heal me. Now, after it's over and done with, he's saying that I know that there's no other, all those false gods and those idol gods that I have been worshiping up and, and actually putting before God. Now I know that there's no other God but Jehovah Jireh. You need to get this. Because what he's saying is, I know who this God is, who did this thing. Now, I, and I thought about this, and I, I began to dig, and I said, God, why in the world? Because remember, I, I put that question out there to you before. Why in the world would God mention Na Naaman in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, and he tells all the good things that he had done, but then he tells that he's a leper. Now, this verse explains it. He did it because he wanted Nathan to know who he was. There are a lot of times that God put us in, in positions, in places, and through situations that nobody can get you out of. But he do it so that he can get the glory. Come on, somebody needs to shout because that's why some of us are where we are now. God is getting ready to do some things in your life if you can be obedient to him because he wants to show you that nobody can cure you like I can. God is saying he got the answer. So that's why he brought Nathan like here. That's why he brought him to this place because he wanted Nathan to know this was a man who didn't even believe in God. But he wanted him to know who he was. And because of Namer's deliverance, I want you to get this. Now, go, go to verse 16. Keep going. No, well, stop, stay there. Go back real quick. Naaman was so thankful. Guys, he was so grateful that he tried to give an offering, that everything that he had brought, all that money, he, he tried to give it to Elisha, but Elisha wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take it because Elisha wanted him to know this thing can't be bought. It's not about how much you come to church. It's not about how much you tithe and how much you give and how much you sing. It's not of that. Now, now, this thing here is a God thing, and only God can do. You can't buy your way out of this. That's what God is trying to say. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it. Go to the next verse for me. So now he said, but he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. This is Elijah talking. And he urged him to take it. That's, that's Naaman. But uh, Elijah refused. The next verse. And Naaman said, shall thou not then, shall thou, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant to, to, to muse, burden of earth, earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifices unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Now, I want to explain this to you. And King James is a little wordy there, but I want to go to NLT, because what Naaman is saying here is, listen, you won't take the offering. But this is what I'm asking you. Can you give me some dirt from the place that you healed me from? And I'm going to put it on the back of two moves. And I'm going to take it back to Syria with me because I'm going to be a mere altar. Because I want to always remember that it was the Lord who delivered me. Now, now, now I, guys, now why is that so significant? I want you to see it here in another version. Then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. Dirt, dirt. That's what he's asking for, dirt. And I would take it back home with me, back to Syria. From now on, uh, I would never again burn offering. Or in other words, I'm not going to sacrifice to any other God except the true and living God. Now, keep this in mind. This is the same place that dirty Jordan that he got mad. Now he's trying to gather as much dirt as he possibly can to take back home with him. Now, guys, I, I actually did a study on this as well. They say that it could have been almost an acre worth of dirt that this, these two moves were carrying for him. He wasn't joking about this. This man was grateful. Now, I don't know about you, but if God cured me of something that everybody else said was going to kill me, I, 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 I tried to paint the picture here because I want you to understand that this just is not just a story. This was actually a man who was on his way to the grave if he had not got healed. Nobody else could heal him, but he decided to try a God. 
Oh, God, he decided to try a guy who he heard about through this small little girl who was held captive and now changed his life, gave him another way of doing business. Oh, my, how awesome that is. See how God set all this up? So sometimes even in our own individual lives, we're going through things. And, and guys, I'm telling you, there are times you're going to understand things literally by and by, meaning it happens. Then you look back and you're like, oh, my goodness, there was nobody but the Lord. Now, I want you to go to a scripture because this this thing really, it, it really did something to me. Turn to uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 27, I believe. Luke 4 and 27. And I want you to go from the NLT version of this because I, I don't want you to get, miss this. this. Now, that was Old Testament. This is New Testament. The writer, which is Luke, actually wrote something. He said, and there were, I want you to read it here. Let's read it. And there were many lepers. Hold on, go back. And there, come on, I want you to read it. Go back. Let's read it together. Ready, go. Now, I want you to get this. Guys, there were a whole lot of other uh, lepers there. Name, Elijah actually, I looked up, his, he actually uh, was a prophet for over 50 years. And during that 50-year span, there were a lot of other lepers in Israel. But the scripture over in the New Testament refers to Naaman. Now, why is that important? Naaman wasn't under the same covenant that uh, the children of Israel was. He was a foreigner. He was an outsider. But the scripture is very clear when it says, but there were many lepers in Israel, uh, but only during the time of Elijah, but only one, everybody say one. Only one was healed, and that was Naaman. Now, I want you to catch this because I thought about that. I said, God, what are you saying? He said that there were lepers in Israel, God's chosen people who were coming and going, who knew what God could do, who, but who did not believe. But then it took somebody who was a heathen that didn't even know the real and true and living God to come over and say, I believe you. I'll trust you. I'll get healed. Now, how does that come to our modern-day life? Guys, I want to tell you here at EBC, a lot of us are, cl I mean, clearly Israel. Here, we're, we're the Israelites. I'm not literally. I'm talking about example, okay? There are, there are many of us that are in church. We're around the Word. We know the Word. We can quote the Word. We sing the Word. We pray the Word. And we even play the Word. But guys, I want to tell you something. All of us, if we're not careful, we can do all that stuff and still die and be a leper and not get healed or walk and be victorious in the things that God wants us to do. Just because we come to church doesn't mean that we're getting what we need to get. And that doesn't mean that we're obeying God like we need to obey him. That's what that scripture talks about. It's saying that those who had a covenant relationship with Israel, they were there, they heard it, Elisha, they knew he was a prophet, but yet he couldn't heal them because they didn't believe in, that God could do it. They wouldn't be obedient. See, this thing is about obedience. It can't be partial obedience. It got to be total obedience. And I asked, started off with this question, and I'm closing here. I asked you, are you dirty? And I started thinking about a lot of different things. You know that there are a lot of things that we have in this society that gets us clean and get things clean. And, you know, we start off by saying, uh, you know, we've used the word dirty in a lot of different ways and, uh, and referring to a lot of different things. But, you know, there are times that when we go to the car wash, we go because our car is dirty and we want it clean, correct? We go to the cleaners. For those who have clothes that are dry clean only, we take our clothes to the cleaners because we want them clean, correct? All right? If we get our hair done, for those of us who go to the hair salon, we go because we want our hair clean. Most of us don't go to the hair salon with our hair dirty and we come back and it's still dirty. We go because we what? want it clean. 
What about our nails and our pedicures and our manicures? We go because, and I need one, we go because we want our nails all shaped and looking good. And when we say hallelujah, we can hallelujah. We can throw our hands up and we do it in slow motion. Hallelujah. You know, won't everybody know our colors? We go because we want them clean and we want them done. Now, why does it work? Why does those four places I named, why does it work? Because when we go in, we do exactly what they tell us to do. If we go to the car wash, there's one on airline that's really, really good, but that's one on Texas um, uh, Street that's good. What's Texas? Yeah, Texas Street. That's good as well. But we go and we do exactly what they say do. We say if it's the one on airline, we pull it up and we put it on the belt. Then we put it in neutral and we ride through and we just listen to putting makeup on or doing whatever we need to do. We do what they ask us to do. We go to the cleaners. We talked about that. They, why does it work? Because we give them our clothes. We don't go in that time. I'm a, I want my clothes clean and we hold them like this. I really want them clean. Well, Miss Adams, would you give me my, your clothes? No, uh-uh. But I want you to clean them. I want you to clean them. But you're still holding them. As soon as we give them to the cleaners or whoever, they clean our clothes. The same thing with our hair. When I go to Gwen, I don't go and tell Gwen uh, how to do my hair. I just go and just get in the chair. I do what she asks me to do. When we go to the nails, sometimes they may not even be able to speak English good. We don't know what they say, and they could be talking about you, your mommy, and all of y'all. But you do, you put your toes out there, all ten of them, and you let them pedicure, and you do your nails and all that. Why? Because you do what they ask you to do. But I got a question. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to the church, and you come in dirty, just like all those things, you come in dirty and you come to the church and you get a word to tell you how to do and what to do and, and how to behave. We, the church is the only one, I, only place I can think of that we come in, they tell us or we are told what, the, given the instructions in the book, but we leave out dirty because we won't do what we've been asked to do. And God is saying tonight that if we want to get to the point that we are walking in his glory and his victory in every area of our lives, guys, this is it's no secret. It's not hard. They ask Naaman, they say, if he had told you to do something hard, you would have done it. But he told you to do something easy and you refused and got mad and wanted to leave. And that's the same thing that God is saying. He's saying, listen, I know what's best for you. Everything that you're going through, I've already healed you. I've already set it in, in plan. Nothing that's happening in your life, I didn't even, I didn't know. I mean, it, it's not a surprise to me. I already knew it before you were even born. I knew that you were going to be at this stage. So you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to go through it alone by yourself. You have somebody there. And I'm giving you my word. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you everything that you need or we need in order to live a victorious life and to live a clean life. But God is saying, it's up to us now. Do we want to dip seven times or we, we some of us on dip three and we're stopping? And then we're looking and say, God, well, I've done everything you told me to do. And I don't know why. This is not working. God is saying it's not working because you haven't completed your obedience. Every head bowed. God, we come before.